This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host. American Family Radio is the network. Glad to have you with us. Check out our website, AFR.net. AFR.net is where to get the Exposing Washington podcast. Also, you can download my or subscribe to my podcast on your smartphone, whether it be Apple or Android. Just go to your podcast store, type in Exposing Washington, and click the subscribe button on my podcast, and then you can listen to it at your convenience. Lastly, do not forget to download the American Family Radio app on your smartphone or tablet device. Just go to your app store, type in AFR, download the AFR app. It's free, and you get great uh, content and news and commentary all from a Christian perspective on the AFR app and on the AFR website, AFR.net. Jumping right into what we have for the show today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a flyover. We're going to do a flyover, and we're going to look at at some of the top, some of the most important lawsuits that are going on right now when it comes to the election. We're going to look at various lawsuits coming from the Trump campaign in various states across the country. We're going to go to Pennsylvania. We're going to go to Michigan. We're going to go over to Nevada. And we're going to go down to Georgia, and we're going to talk about these lawsuits and the details of them. We're going to keep it simple but yet be informative because you're not going to get a lot of this information from many other places. You may get it from some other conservative media outlets, but look, big media, they're not covering this. Facebook, Twitter, Google, etc., they're censoring this information along with Major media outlets, including Fox News, are failing or refusing to cover much of this information. Some of the shows are. Many of them are completely ignoring this information. Specifically, many of you saw Neil Cavuto on Fox News or Fox Business. He has a show on both. He cut away from a press conference from the Trump campaign outlining the issues with this election. He cut away from the press conference and refused to cover it. And so this is a huge problem. Getting information out is a huge problem. So we're going to bring it to you. And let me just remind you, we are our, our news service, onenewsnow.com, we are updating our website, onenewsnow.com, with this information every day. So if you want to go somewhere where you can get the truth about what's going on with these lawsuits, go to onenewsnow.com. All right, let's, uh, let's start. Let's go back a month are a little under a month, and let's look at the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. This is one. This is was one of the first. This is one of the first cases 
brought by the Trump campaign and the Republican Party of Pennsylvania. What happened here is the Pennsylvania Secretary of State decided that she, her name's Kathy Bakvar, Secretary of State in Pennsylvania, she decided that she would unilaterally change or try to change the deadline on mail-in ballots, on absentee and mail-in ballots. So the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania sent out a memo saying that we will accept ballots, mail-in ballots, whether it be absentee or otherwise, we will accept them up to one week seven days after the election is over and we will count them, which which is ex- precisely contrary to Pennsylvania state law. State law says that ballots must be submitted by election day at 8 p.m. Everything received after that will not be counted. The Trump campaign, along with the Republican Party of Pennsylvania, challenged that, took it to the Supreme Court. The, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court upheld what the Democrats in Pennsylvania were trying to do or what they were doing, not what they were trying to do, what they were doing. Trump campaign appealed that to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court put out a four-page order or four-page memo on October 28th of 2020 just about two and a half weeks ago or two weeks ago. And the the Supreme Court basically said, we do not have enough time to hear this case. It is too late. But one thing that Justice Alito, who wrote this four-page motion or opinion or statement, Justice Alito said this, about this legal question about whether the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania can unilaterally try to change election code, election law. Alito said it would be highly desirable to issue a ruling on the constitutionality of the state Supreme Court's decision, talking about Pennsylvania State Supreme Court, before the election. That question has national importance, and there is a strong likelihood, listen to this, Alito says about this Pennsylvania Secretary of State's actions that there is a strong likelihood that the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania violated the federal constitution by allowing the Secretary of State to change election code, election law. Alito moves on to say, but I reluctantly conclude that there is simply not enough time at this late date to decide on this question. He moves on to basically say that the Supreme Court can take this up at a later date. Alito leaves the door open about whether the Supreme Court can hear this case in full at a later date, meaning after the election. Fast forward a couple days on November Sixth, three days after the election, Justice Alito sends out another order because what he finds out is that 
the various county boards in Pennsylvania were supposed to be separating these ballots. Anything that comes in before Election Day or on Election Day by 8 p.m. is in one pile of ballots. Everything that comes in after 8 p.m. on Election Day goes in a separate pile. These two piles of ballots are supposed to be segregated based on the Supreme Court's order and based on what the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania said. Well, Justice Alito from the U.S. Supreme Court finds out, guess what? These county boards are not obeying the Supreme Court's order to segregate the ballots. These county election boards instead are mixing all of the ballots in together. And so Justice Alito uh, put out an order on November 6th demanding, requiring that these county boards in Pennsylvania uh, obey the Supreme Court and segregate the ballots. So that is one lawsuit, and that is, that is still to be heard by the U.S. Supreme Court in full. Should the Trump campaign win that lawsuit, what it would mean is, is that every single ballot that arrived at the polling center after 8 p.m. on Election Day would be thrown out. It would not be counted. And so that's one lawsuit in Pennsylvania that began two weeks ago. There is another lawsuit in Pennsylvania, a separate lawsuit also brought by the Trump campaign. And I just want to read one main highlight out of the lawsuit. It's like 105 pages. Here's one main point in this lawsuit. This is a second lawsuit out of Pennsylvania that was filed just uh, uh, the Monday following the election. So this past Monday, this, this, or, this uh, lawsuit was filed in federal court in uh, Pennsylvania. Here's what it says. Regarding poll watchers and observers, it is estimated that six, 680,000 ballots were processed by the Allegheny, Allegheny and Philadelphia County Boards of Elections. That's two counties in Pennsylvania near Philadelphia. It is estimated that 680,000 ballots in these two counties they were counted, processed, with no observation allowed. What does that mean? That means the Trump campaign and the Republicans were trying to send in poll watchers and poll observers, and they were rejected. They, were, they, they refused to allow legal poll watchers into the counting centers. And nearly 700,000 ballots were processed and counted without any supervision without any accountability that is just one highlight of many in this second pennsylvania lawsuit so you have one pennsylvania lawsuit at the u.s supreme court you have one pennsylvania lawsuit at the federal district court in pennsylvania both of those are still pending all right, I want to jump off the lawsuits for a few minutes because it gets it can get pretty not boring but pretty complicated. So, I just want to bounce 
away from that for a few minutes and talk about this reported computer glitch. Let's just call it a computer glitch for the sake of discussion. There were multiple reports on election day that various counties had issue had issues with their tabulation machines, with their counting machines, and that they were misreporting numbers and are glitching and not counting numbers at all. So I'm going to talk about two stories that we are aware of for certain. This is a story out of Lansing, Michigan, Antrim County, A-N-T-R-I-M. This is a county in Michigan. This is the county that had 6,000 votes that were supposed to go to Donald Trump that went to Joe Biden. 6,000 votes went to Joe Biden that were supposed to go to Donald J. Trump. Well, when the clerk at the local precinct or the county clerk in Antrim County in Michigan realized that this was happening, they went in and they did a manual look at the ballots and realized that this tabulation machine, basically, or this computer in this county was misreporting the data to the state. And at first, it was described to the public as a glitch, as a computer glitch. Well, just a few days later, the Michigan Department of State, which is run by a very left-wing Democrat. The Michigan Department of State comes out and goes, well, it wasn't really a computer glitch. It was the clerk's fault. It was the, the fault of the county clerk. And so people were saying, well, it wasn't a computer glitch then. The clerk just just misreported the data. It's the county clerk's fault, right? Well, then, as it turns out, when the Michigan Department of State put out a press release, they actually admitted themselves that it was a software problem, a software glitch. And here's why. Here's what they said. This is from the Department of State in Michigan. All ballots were properly tabulated. They're talking about this Antrim County in Michigan. Quote, all ballots were properly tabulated. However, the clerk accidentally did not update the software used to collect voting machine data and report unofficial results, end quote. So the Secretary of State comes out and says, well, there was no computer glitch. There was no software issue. It was the clerk's fault. It was a problem done by the clerk or created by the clerk. 
Well, then they further in the statement, they say this. The clerk accidentally did not update the software used to collect voting machine data and report unofficial results. Okay, so in part, it is the clerk's fault that the clerk did not update the machines, but here's the it, what, here's what is inferred from that statement is that the software was messed up before the update. So the software that was on the voting machine the day before the election was messed up. It was a bad software. It was misappropriating ballots. And then the county clerk on election day goes and pushes a software update to the machine, and then all of a sudden everything is fixed. And so that's, that's what I draw from that is, yes, it was a software problem, and when the clerk updated the software, everything was fixed. But before the update, it was messed up. So here's, here's, what I wanna, here's where I want to end on that story. Did, did the clerks in all the various other counties in Michigan update their software properly? Or were some of the counties operating on the old software that had a, quote, glitch in it? That's what I want to know. I think that's what the public should know. Because if some of these counties were running on the old software that had issues, then that is a major, major problem. All right, I want to move on to another computer glitch story. And this is down in Georgia. All right. This is in actually two Georgia counties. Morgan and Spalding counties in Georgia, their electronic devices crashed. I'm reading from this MSN news story. Voters were unable to cast machine ballots for a couple of hours in Morgan and Spalding counties after the electronic devices crashed, state officials said. In response to the delays, a Superior Court judge extended the voting deadline until 11 p.m. All right. This county uses the same software, the same machine as the Michigan County I just discussed. The company, Dominion Voting Systems. All right. So listen to this. This is coming from the election supervisor in Spalding County where this, where this software crashed, this computer crashed. Now we're down in Georgia. The election supervisor, Marcia Ridley, says the company, talking about Dominion Voting Systems, quote, uploaded something last night, which is not normal, and it caused a, quote, glitch. Coming directly from the election supervisor in Georgia, in this county. <laughs> she goes on to say, talking about this this mysterious software update in the middle of the night. That is something that they don't ever do. I've never seen them update anything the day before the election, Ridley said. Ridley said she did not know what the up, upload contained, the software upload, what it contained. <laughs> Neither Dominion nor no ink the two the two companies that have parts related to this whole election system in Georgia Dominion 
Neither of them replied uh, to a request for comment from this news outlet. So we at least have two, no, that's actually three, three counties all using the same software, one in Michigan, two counties in Georgia, and all of the issues revolved around this software. And so I think it should be looked into as to how widespread these software issues were. Because Dominion voting system is used in dozens of states. It is used in many states. So that needs to be looked into. We are going to move on to back to the legal cases. And I want to talk about Nevada and then we'll end on Michigan. And by the way, I'm going to post links to all of these lawsuits in uh, on my podcast page at AFR.net. If you go to AFR.net and click on the link on the podcast link, you will see Exposing Washington. And there I am providing direct links to all of these lawsuits and news stories. So you can go and read for yourself. Let's listen to Matt Slap. He's actually a spokesperson now, a surrogate for the Trump campaign. Let's listen to Matt Slap. He's over in Nevada this week talking about, well, how many out-of-state residents are actually out now, no, not even residents, how many people that have left Nevada actually voted this go-around? Let's listen to Matt Slap. We have two examples that we, that we have talked about and want to talk about today. One is the death of Rosemary Hartle in 2017. The other is the death of Fred Stokes Jr. in 2017. Miraculously, they both voted, which means, which means that the voter file that was used to send out these mail-in ballots was not deduped by death records. We know that underage voters voted in this most recent election. How difficult would it have been to make it clear that nobody would have been mailed a ballot if they had a birth date after a certain year? We know that in this area, which has been gripped with the idea of an economic shutdown, that over 100,000 people left. Yet, through our due diligence, we've been able to find that at least 9,000 of them voted in this election. Non-Nevadans voting in Nevada. At least 9,000 people from that were formerly uh, citizens of Nevada or residents, they, they changed their address to out of state because they moved out of Nevada and they still voted. They still sent them ballots and they still voted. At least 9,000 people. And then he's talking about Matt Schlapp, about how several, they confirmed several dead people voting. We saw the same thing in Georgia. Folks, this is unbelievable. Well, it's really not unbelievable, but it's, it's baffling. I want to jump over to Michigan before we wrap the show up and end on this lawsuit in the state of Michigan in Wayne County, Michigan, Wayne County, Michigan. This suit is brought by 
various uh, residents in uh, in Michigan in this Wayne County who were witnesses or um, witnesses of these various illegal activities brought forth. And by the way, all this stuff I'm reading from these lawsuits is in sworn affidavits. This is not news stories. This is sworn affidavits. This is court evidence. This is case evidence. Now, this is relating to one county. There is a convention center in Wayne County where much of the counting was going on, the tabulating was going on for this county. And one defense, one plaintiff, I'm sorry, one defendant, these are people who are making accusations. These are Republicans in Wayne County. They witnessed unsecured absentee ballots arrive at the TCH Center in Wayne County loading garage, unsecured, not in sealed ballot boxes without any chain of custody and without envelopes. These were literally just blank ballots. Not blank ballots. They were unsecured absentee ballots, and nobody knows where they came from. They weren't even in envelopes still, like from a mailing. They were just absentee ballots, no chain of custody. They weren't in a sealed box, and they weren't in a sealed envelope. This, This exhibit moves on on this affidavit to say that after election officials in Wayne County announced the last absentee ballots had been received, another batch of unsecured and unsealed ballots without envelopes arrived in trays. There were approximately 40,000 of these ballots, and every ballot counted orally, was counted orally and attributed to only Democratic candidates. Defendants instructed election officials and poll workers to process absentee ballots that appeared after the election deadline and falsely report these that had been received prior to the November 3rd deadline as, as having had been received prior to the November 3rd, 2020 deadline. So they were backdating late ballots. They were falsely putting a date, a November 3rd date, or a November 2nd date on ballots that were received after that. 40,000 unsecured ballots arriving at a loading dock in Wayne County, Michigan. Folks, this stuff is absurd. And I don't know where this is going to fall, how it's going to end, but if we don't stop this illegality, if we don't stop these shenanigans, if we don't stop... In many cases, this cheating, then we're not going to have integrity moving forward in our elections. This stuff has to be fixed at the state legislative level and on a law enforcement level where illegal acts were committed in an expedited fashion. No excuse not to fix these issues. And we'll keep you updated on the Trump campaign lawsuit in the coming weeks. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, visit our website, AFR.net. We'll be back next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.